today. I want to thank Heather Wilson, who actually put together the video. If you didn't make it in the video, it's just because we were scrambling around that morning trying to grab whoever was here that one particular morning. She was putting kids in the other room and trying to grab spouses and everything. But if you weren't on the video, that just means you have a greater excuse to say it in person, right? So make sure you tell your wife, your spouse, your mom how much you love them and appreciate them. And so um, it's going to be a fun day. We're going to be a continuous series. If you haven't already grabbed your Bible, you can grab a Bible. You're going to need that. You also um, need some notes. And so the notes you should have been handed on your way in. They look like this. And we're going to continue a series we've been doing called Marvel. Uh, This is a fun series for a lot of reasons. One, there's three churches in three different states actually partnering together to do this sermon series. So one out of Arkansas, one out of Maryland, one here in Delaware, partnering together. And it's actually based on a key verse out of Mark 6, 6, which just says, Jesus marveled at their unbelief. And I mean, we said, look, if he's going to marvel at something, let's not let him marvel at our unbelief, right? Let's let him marvel at our belief. And so we've been walking through different things that have helped us to see this. And the first week we talked about just, you know, why is it? Why was it they marveled at Jesus' unbelief? And it was very simple. If you remember that week, it was, they didn't know who he fully was. They put him in a box that was the wrong box and then let Jesus be who Jesus really is. The second week we talked about Ant-Man. So one of the cool things about this series is I buy a new shirt for each one and Seth gets the shirt when I'm done. Yeah, so he loves that. So he's got Ant-Man now. And we talked about the ant, how hard the ant works, how diligent it works, and how God honors still hard work today. When we actually press in and work hard, God honors that. Today we're going to be looking at vision. And the specific reason we're looking at vision is out of Proverbs 29 and Proverbs 31. So that's where you'll need your Bible. So you've got one right in front of you in your pew. You can use your cell phone, whatever you need. But here's a cool passage out of the King James Version. Where there's no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So we know this. You've heard this probably proverb quoted a lot in different places. There's no vision, the people perish. And what that means is there's no vision for going forward, no vision for an alternate reality, no vision for something that brings greater happiness and joy in the life, especially of the believer. Now, how does this apply to Mother's Day and how does this apply to vision other than the word visions in it? So we'll look at this out of Proverbs 31. This is out of the Dewey Reams Bible. If you've never seen this Bible, this is the Bible that typically a Roman Catholic will use as they study the scriptures. So look at this with me. The words of King Lamuel, the vision wherewith his mother instructed him. Now, this is such a cool passage. We're going to break this down line by line and work through the first part of Proverbs 31 together and see how God has this cool dynamic that a vision for a mom has for their kids. Now, what do we know about King Lemuel? Other than the pastors that are in the room that are retired, you're not allowed to answer, okay? We don't know anything. That's the funny thing about this guy, is we know he's a king, and we know he had a decent mom who had a vision for him, but we don't actually know who he is. Most scholars believe that it's a pet name for King Solomon. Now, think about that for a second, which means Solomon, who wrote most of the Proverbs, that's how they get there, is either a pet name or he just wanted to use a, not his name and he wanted to generically kind of say, talk about this relationship between him and his mom. Now, his mom was who for my Bible people? Who was Solomon's mom? Oh yeah, John's on it, Bathsheba, right? So if you've ever read the Old Testament, you come to Bathsheba and you've got this really interesting story, you know? Bathsheba is in this relationship with another guy, right? Uriah, which always makes me think of a doctor who's treating a different issue. And... Um, This guy's off to battle, and all of a sudden, he starts seeing Bathsheba sunbathing, which is like, whoa, which we can go into that later. And he says, I want her, brings her on in, kills Uriah, right? I mean, he just messes this whole thing up. And then after going, and then he has a son who actually dies because of this whole affair. 
And then you've got this messed up family situation. Can anybody identify with messed up family situations? That's called life, right? It's just life. And in the midst of that, he ends up marrying Bathsheba and bringing him home, and they have Solomon. Now put that in context, and then think, if this is true, this is a mother who's giving an oracle, or she's giving a vision, or she's saying, hey, look, son, here's some things I want you to know. Because if you'll follow these, wis- these sayings, these wisdoms, then you won't get messed up. You will actually be able to see the greatest blessing because you'll be following God's guidelines for your life. Is that not cool? And I think that's not only true in this situation, whether it was Solomon or not, mothers have this perspective, don't they? Even before their kids are born, we're going to look at this. They have this vision for their kids. They have the greatest hope and desire for them to do so well. And so let's, let's do this a little differently too. My mom had certain sayings. Did your mom have them? Like, I'll give you one. My mom said, um, if you don't stop doing that, I'm going to upset your apple cart and spill all your peaches. That was one of my mom's. And I'll never forget the time I looked at her and I said, Mom, if it's an apple cart, why are we spilling peaches? All that involved was a wooden spoon and correction. You know what I'm saying? That's what followed. But I never forgot that saying. And your moms have sayings. There's certain things they've taught you. And not all the moms will get to a second necessarily biological moms. It's broader than that. So here's what I want you to do, kind of fun. If you're a social media person, not everybody is, it's okay. If you're a social media person, I want you to go to our Facebook. You'll find it pretty easily. And I want you to monitor this, Brent. I'm springing this on you last second. Um, If your mom had a cool saying, I want you to post it right on Grace Seaford's uh, Facebook. Because by the end of the service, if there's some cool ones there, I want to share them with you, and I'll show you where they fit inside the message. So you can do that. If you're not a social media person, put them on the back of your Connect card before the end of the service, and that way I can share something. And I won't share your name, but I just want to share some of the cool things that moms have passed on to all of us so that we won't forget those. So let me walk through this mother's vision with me, okay? Here we go. So let's start with Proverbs 31. It's, and we're going to start with the first one. A mother's vision comes in many forms. That's the first thing I want you to see. It comes in many forms. Verse 1, the sayings of King Lemuel, an oracle his mother taught him. So when you think about this, this was his physical mom, no doubt. But I think for all of us, you've got different women in your lives, grandparents, people in your church, people that you've connected to with work. And those people have been investing in you and giving you wisdom and care for you, and they want the very, very best for you. And those women that are around us, in many ways, form a mom's heart. They've got a mother's heart. Some of the other ways we see this is through adoption. Sometimes it's adoption that's like literally a legal adoption. Sometimes it's just an adoption of the family. Everybody ever witnessed that? You get adopted into the family. And sometimes, you know, you get married and you're like, oh my gosh, what family did I get adopted into, right? You just never know where this is going to go. But there's really cool people inside that that really can in so many ways. I'll never forget, um, my mom just was one of those people who had a heart of gold. You know, someone like that. And just could not stand to see injustice done. You know, and I'll never forget we had a friend who lived in New York, and my dad and her husband were close during the Vietnam War. Well, this guy died shortly after he got back of cancer, and he had two teenage sons. And the mom was like, I don't know what to do. Here I am living in inner city New York. I'm trying to get my degree in radiology so I can now make a living. And mom says, Just send them down here. Just send them down here. Next thing I know, I've got two adopted brothers that move in, Tommy and Eddie, and they're just living with us. And it's because mom had this idea, I want the best for them, I want the best for my friend in this season, the best place would be right here. I'll never forget later on, we had a gal that lived with us named Jamie. She just had a really rough life, she got kicked out of the house, and mom said, come on in, come on in. So moms come in more than one form. 
And so I want you to recognize that first. And I think you can see this in this case. I think that's almost why the scriptures never told us who it actually is, whether it was Solomon or not. And it leaves us with this cool name, Lemuel, you know? Number two, it precedes birth and it's solemn. You know, a mother's vision, it precedes birth and it's solemn. Meaning, you know, it's like devoted, it's deep. Look at this in verse two. It says, oh, my son, oh, my son of my womb, oh, son of my vows. You're thinking, not bowels, but bowels, okay? This is pretty cool. When you look at verse two, she's actually, before he even comes out of the womb, she's got a vision. She's got a prayer. She's been praying over this kid, you know? And it's based on a deep-seated vow. Not only in her marriage and in that union, but how that actually goes to how she's vowing to raise this child, to bless this child, to admonish this kid, and to raise them in a faith that's the faith that's worth living in. That's pretty cool stuff. You know, moms have a unique dynamic when they're carrying a child. You ever notice that? Jake just had a baby, so you can relate to this, right? It's like there's that whole gestation period, which is pretty cool. But I'm just telling you, as a, as a guy, we kind of watch it from afar. As much as we love to, I mean, we, we support our wives, we love our wives. You know, if they've got morning sickness, I'll never forget that. Susan was having morning sickness one time. I felt so bad I wanted to do anything for her. And I'm like, do you want some crackers, baby? She's like, no, I don't want crackers. I mean, it's like, you know, I don't know what to do. I just want to help. But we do. We watch it from afar. Mom, every day, every week, for that whole gestation period, for that nine months, they've got that child in their womb. They're thinking about them. They're praying about what life they'll have. They're wondering about what vision God even has for their kid. And that is unique. It's absolutely special. And that's something we need to recognize that's happening inside of this proverb. Watch it. It's such a cool proverb. I'll never forget the negative side of this dynamic. Uh, my parents went through a, a pretty hard divorce. And as they were going through that divorce, I'll never, I'll never forget, you know, because you feel pulled sometimes in those situations as a child between those two families. And I'll never forget my dad was trying to um, kind of pulled me to his side on an issue. And he said, you know, your mom never wanted you. By the way, if that was true, don't ever say it, first of all, because it's just hurtful for the kid. But here's what he was really saying. Mom had me when she was 40, okay? And what she was actually saying, I found out as I began to understand, is she was absolutely worried that her age would impact me. So it wasn't that she didn't want. She was terrified of the repercussions of having a child at 40, my dad leveraged that and abused that. That's kind of how families can get at times. You know what I mean? But here's the reality. Mom never felt that way. I never felt that from my mother. And that's where you got to understand a mom's perspective is so different. She passed away in 98. And one of the last things I remember, just this perspective of mom's vision and the solemn nature of the vow, how a mom vows over their child. I'll never forget this. If she's getting close to the end, she looked at Susan and she says, make sure you take care of him. Now, it's not her job to take care of me, but as a mom, she never stopped being a mom. That's how moms are. John 19 does the same thing. John 19, 26, you can look that up later, is Jesus on the cross. He's hanging on the cross. You know, he's about to go, and he looks down. He sees John, only disciple to return, right? And he sees his mom. And what does he say? He says, hey, you know, son, your mother, mother, your son. And we know historically, not biblically, that John took care of Mary to the very end, every chance he got. And so even Jesus understood the special nature of this relationship, how solemn the vow was, and how deep the vision was. The third thing I see when you look at this proverb, very cool, is it's focused on health. It's focused on health. 
When you look at a mom's vision, our moms focus on our health in ways that nobody else does. Look at this, verses 3 through 7. It says, do not spend your strength on women. My mom didn't quite say it that way, but she said that. Your vigor on those who ruin kings, right? Now, remember, could have been Bathsheba. This makes sense. It's not for kings, O Lemuel, not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what the law decrees and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Give beer to those who are perishing. That's an interesting topic we'll come back to, okay? <laughs> um, and wine to those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. When you're looking at this passage, what's actually happening is, you got to remember, morphine wasn't on the market back then, right? Okay? So your cousin's brew, that was on the market, all right? And so when people were actually perishing, when people were actually in pain, this was a sedative. And what, what she was actually saying to her son is, listen, don't dull your senses. Don't get to a place where you're so affected by these two things. She's not saying don't have a beer, Lemuel, don't have a glass of wine. What she's actually saying is don't get to the place that affects your judgment. Don't get to the place that actually affects your compassion. Don't get to the place that affects how you understand the people around you, especially the people that you're most supposed to be compassionate with. What I hear inside this is she was concerned about his health. She was concerned about his health. And moms kind of think of health from the relational standpoint, the physical standpoint, and the spiritual standpoint. They're better at this many times. How many times do we look in church and the first one who arrives is mom with kids in tow, right? Hair's all over the daggone place because she's had to drag them out of the daggone home to get them here, right? And dad's like, cool, free day of fishing. No, right? Moms are thinking about that spiritual dynamic of health. They're one of the first ones to think of that. They also want you to be healthy physically, which is why she's saying these things. And they definitely don't want their sons or their daughters chasing after every single relationship that comes down the way without giving value to it. Value that she's not saying because she wants him to get married, right? Because if you read the rest of this proverb, she says a noble woman who can, fine. She wants a noble woman for her son, the right kind of woman. So moms in some ways, it just not in some ways, in every way, just really think about our health. So I'll come back to my mom because this is my only reference, right? So my mom was funny. Uh, back when I was growing up, so I'll give you an idea, I was born in 1972, um, so we had ADHD back then, too. Um, we were just called the troubled kid that every time we'd get a card sent home, the report card, I was the kid that said, won't shut up in class and won't sit still. Okay? I'm that kid. And I always had a hyperactive brain, hyperactive mind. It doesn't shut down until I shut down. And so they were like, they had just come out with this cool new drug called, I think it was back then, what was it, Ritalin. Yeah, yeah they were like, put this boy on some Ritalin. Make all of our lives better. Okay? <laughs> And mom said, she didn't know enough about it. Now, there's nothing wrong, by the way, for taking medication for ADHD. It can really help you. Amen. But there wasn't enough known about it in the 70s. There just wasn't enough known. And mom wasn't sure. So what did she do? She cared about my health, relationally, physically, spiritually. She said, I'm going to sign that boy up for every sport that comes down the pipe, right? I will wear him out. Okay, that was the 70s version of ADHD drugs, okay? And so she just would put me out there because she cared about my health. She cared about my social well-being. She wanted me to do well. And later on, you know, I think if better medications had been in play, it would have made it even better for me, especially in school, because I still struggled academically, even though they wore me out, okay? So the fourth thing I see when you look at this proverb, so beautiful, so beautiful, is it emphasizes character above all. Moms emphasize character above all in their vision. They want our character to be so good. Look at verses 8 and 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of those who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly. 
defend the rights of the poor and needy. That sounds like a mom. You know, that sounds like a mom. The compassion that's inside that, the character that she wants for her son, I'll never forget that. You learn certain things about character from your parents again, especially from your mom that's just so beautiful. I'll never forget as a young guy, one of the cars I always wanted. I still have not got one, so keep your eyes out for this car, okay? I always wanted a 1971 Mustang Fastback. Anybody with me on that? Nobody? Oh, my gosh. You, okay, Jeff, oh, he says, I've got one. Thanks, Jeff. Rub, salt in the wound. Okay, salt in the wound, right? I always wanted one. I'll never forget as a 17-year-old kid, I've just started to work, you know, I'm just starting to finally make some money, you know, can barely afford to put gas in the car and insurance. And right in town, there was one on this one street and somebody put it up for sale. And I'm like, I want that car. And I went to mom, I'm like, mom, it's a good deal. I'll never get it. They're actually getting more and more expensive because it's a classic. You know, it's the only year they made the engine in Cleveland. It's 351 on the floor, mom. You can chirp in every year. I mean, this is the car. And I'm sorry, we got to have this car. Help me out to get this car. This, is, this, this deal is too good to be true. Susan makes the most money. Thank you, Paul, for reminding me that Susan makes the most money. It's always been true. Yeah. Where's, where's my pastors in the room? Yeah. Yeah, you know. So here's, here's the reality. It was so good. Was mom said, look, if it's that good a deal and you wait and someone else gets it, there'll be another deal. She goes, that's just truth, Larry. She goes, I want you to understand. There's never a deal that's so good that you can't wait on it and another deal come along. Never feel pressured. And never feel forced into buying something or getting a deal. That was some of the best advice I ever got. It made me a great haggler now. People actually come to me and go, hey, will you go help me buy a car? Because I'm the guy that goes in and goes, oh, no, 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 that's not what we're paying. We're going to pay this. You can't pay that. Fine, we'll walk away. It's no big deal. There's another deal somewhere. I'll find it. You know, especially now I got the internet. I'll find one somewhere up and down the East Coast. I'll find what I want, right? Here's the reality is that was such good advice. But what was better than the advice was the character that she was instilling. Because what she was telling me was, the money's not that important, and stuff's not that important. And she did that over and over and over again in different ways. And even when uh, my grandmother passed away and my family got fighting about money, my mom's kids, not one of us, had an issue with it. We're like, it's not a big deal to us. We got out of grandma what we wanted when grandma was alive. That's reality. Moms instill this kind of character in us, and we need this kind of character, especially the day we live in. So what do you do with that? Like, how do you put this to work in your life in a way that's actually very beneficial for you? So the first thing is you honor mom's vision. So if that's mom's vision, let's honor mom's vision. The first thing is reflect on mom's instruction. Reflect on mom's instruction. So one of the other things that mom said when she was trying to give me that idea, and, and she was so right, was she said, if you ever want to know why things work the way they work in the world in which we live, Larry, follow the money. Anybody ever heard that? Follow the money. And you'll find out why most people in this world do what they do. And the older I get, the wiser I find out my mom was. I'm like, oh my gosh, every time, what's wrong with the government? Follow the money. And you'll find out. A lot of times it's not about what's right or wrong, it's about where the money's flowing and where the money's going. You just look at that all around you and you find that's really, and I said, mom, you were so good. And so when I reflect on her instruction, it helps me now to even process and think about why sometimes people make the decisions that they make. Brent, did we get any cool stuff on Facebook? Nothing? Okay, we don't have a social media people. Put it on your card. So, but I really want you to do that. I want you to put out there, how did your mom instruct you? What are the things that she taught you and gave you? Because I think we can share those, and different people can actually benefit from that. But I think you need to do that. You need to do that. Reflect on what your mom has said. Reflect on what she's taught you. Write it down. Put it to paper. Because otherwise, it's gone just like that, and you won't remember it. The second thing, if you want to honor your mom's vision, 
is honor life. That's what you see in that second piece of that proverb, honor life. And the world in which we live, we've come to actually cheapen life in so many ways. Right here in Delaware just recently, there was legislation about abortion. I don't know if you know that, if you follow your actual legislature. But there was actually legislation on that issue. And a lot of people say it's about pro-choice or it's about pro-life. Here's the, here's the simple simplicity for me as a Christian. When I read the Psalms and I read that you were fearfully and wonderfully made and that you were knit together in your mother's womb, the argument is solved for me. It's solved for me. Because as a Christian, I believe that life began at that moment, that moment that your parents came together or whoever brought you in this world. And life is precious. It's precious. Another area that you see this is on the other end of the spectrum when it comes to life. We're actually having legislation presented everywhere right now about assisted suicide or people ending their life early because they're afraid of the pain that they might incur in those last days. As a chaplain, let me tell you this, I did a lot of years as a chaplain, which means I got to hold the hand of a lot of people as they passed. I got to be with them and their families. And we do not need to cheapen life, especially at the end of life. People say some of the most profound things when they know they're toward the end of this journey. And I don't want to rob anyone of that because it's so amazing. And what I can tell you is hospice done correctly will manage someone's pain perfectly. If it doesn't talk to your doctor, I'm telling you, you don't want to rob people of those moments. And so for you and I, one of the things that we can do is make sure that everything that we're engaged with in our thinking and with our representatives and with the community around us honor life. That's something we can do, and I guarantee that'll honor a mom's vision, especially this mom. The third thing is create a holistic health plan. This is one I struggle with, okay, because I like to eat. Create a holistic health plan. What do I mean by that? Moms want you to be healthy, right? You ever, were your moms like this? I don't know. Is my, am I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm the only one that had a mom like this. But did your mom always make you um, wear clean underwear? Is there anybody in here that's like that? And what did she say? What was her reason for wearing clean underwear? Okay, it wasn't just my mom, okay? And I remember looking at her, I'm like, if I'm an accident, the underwear is not going to be clean, okay? Am I real? But that didn't matter. What was behind that was what? I want you to brush your teeth. I want you to use deodorant. I want you to be healthy. That's what's, so I think for us, we need to actually define that. So you know, if you need to lose some weight like me, lose some daggone weight. You know, if you need to actually exercise, get on a bike and get some exercise. You know, if you need to actually work on relationships in your life that are rough, then get some help and work on the relationships that you need to work on in your life. Be holistic. If your spiritual life is lacking, then start doing things that you know your mom said to do. You know, reading your Bible daily. You know, coming to church. You know, hanging out with friends that help you in your spiritual journey. Your mom would be proud. That's honoring her vision. That's putting something inside of you that would honor your mom's vision, especially this mom's vision. So here's one last thought when you, when you, when you really think of this. And I'll, I'll give you a, an area of my life that I'm, I need to work on. Was uh, mom's vision comes into focus the wiser you get. I don't know if you've noticed that. The older I get, the wiser mom gets. I remember up to the age of 25, I thought my parents were idiots. Anybody there with me? Yeah, and then I started getting older. I started having kids, and I'm like, oh my gosh, my parents were geniuses. How did they ever survive this stuff? The older you get, the more you really understand that. And that's why you gotta write this down. Because that's when you come back to it. And there's a lot of different people around you that can do this. One of the areas I know that 
I have an area of, of virtue, we're building on mom's virtues, where I need to do that, is this. Mom was bold when you needed to be bold. She was, oh, what's the right word? She was in your face when someone needed to be in your face. And in some ways, sometimes I get humility confused with that. And that's an area I've told my wife I need to do better at sometimes. Is there's moments where you just need to be bold and you used to say it for what it is. And I said, Mom had that, and I want to borrow that virtue, and I want to put that virtue into my life. And that's why I want you to build on your mom's virtue. And I think you'll see that the older you get, the wiser mom's sayings get. So post those and let us know. Here's what I'd like to do for you and in you. I'd love to do this. Um, is I'd like to do something a little different today. A lot of times at Grace will end with a song or we'll end with, you know, an opportunity for you to respond, sometimes to come forward, sometimes in different ways. But as I look at our audience this morning, I knew this would be our situation. I see moms. I see moms with their families. I see moms with their kids. I see women that I know have invested in different people. And what I would love to do is just take a moment to pray over our moms. Would that be all right? It's a little different for some people. So if your mom's near you, if someone who's a woman in your life has had a great investment on you, I'm going to ask you in a moment, I'm going to just pray, and I want you to actually get as close to them as you can and put your hands on them. A lot of times in the Bible, they would lay hands, and symbolically laying hands is to symbolically join yourself spiritually in someone's journey to either commission, to anoint, or to bless. And it's awkward, I know that, but there's something in the strength of that awkward moment that allows God's blessing to transfer. And so I want you to do that. I'm going to pray. When I begin to pray, I want you to move towards your moms, move toward the women that have had an impact on you. I want you to lay hands on them, okay? And then when I'm done praying, I'm going to give you space. What that means spiritually is if God tells you to pray something over your mother, pray it. If God asks you to just give a prayer of gratitude, give it. If you see someone that you know, again, maybe it's not your biological mom, but that person has had an incredible impact on you, go bless them. Can we do that? It's different, but I believe it's going to create a powerful moment for us, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we set aside time, as we give you quiet space in this moment, God, we pray that your spirit would move in a powerful way, that you would have your way with each of us, God, we don't like in any way sometimes to be pulled out of our comfort zone. It's hard for us. But it's when we respond to you and your spirit by faith and we do it honestly with integrity that you move in a powerful way spiritually. And so God, as I pray over right now each mom, each woman who's had an impact on other people in this room, God, I pray that people would begin to move that they would place their hands, God, that they would squeeze a hand, God, that they would show their support for the women in their lives who have had a vision, a vision for them, a vision not based on an ideology, God, but based on a heart that wanted to see that child blessed incredibly. God, as we give this time to you, as we give this space to you, allow your people to pray that are called by your name and that their prayers would not only be heard by you in heaven, 
but by the women in this room that need a blessing. God, we give you this space, we give you this time, move in whatever way you see fit.